Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back and we have one great show for you today. There's so many things going on. You're going to find out things at WABC that nobody else knows. And uh, in the studio with us, we have uh, uh, some good friends here. We have Judge Richard Weidberg. Uh, we have uh, former Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington and GOP uh, Chairman of Brooklyn for 10 years. One knowledgeable guy, great attorney, Craig Eaton. And uh, my uh, person here is si- Rita Cosby, the Rita Cosby. Well, you know what? The Rita Cosby is excited because, John, we have a big announcement of who we're going to be interviewing tomorrow on Cats and Cosby. Share it with everybody. Well, I understand that uh, President Trump has a new book, and he called me, and uh, he says he'd like to go on with uh, with uh, Rita and John. How fantastic is that? So everybody listening, you got to tune in tomorrow, uh, right at the top of the show. We will be talking to former President Trump about his book, obviously about President Biden. There is so much and to talk about. And anything else he wants to talk about, it's up to him. Absolutely. And he is such a great talker. What a great opportunity. Everybody tune in tomorrow. Former President Trump right here on Cats and Cosby. What a treat. Look and forward to it. Speaking of which, you have been a busy guy, John. Uh, you had an amazing dinner last night. Oh, the dinner was... <laughs> had last night it was uh for my one of my favorite girlfriends uh-oh which one does well, margo know about that one yeah, well, <laughs> she allows me to date anybody over 90 yeah and th- by the way this woman uh <laughs> tell everybody she is one dynamo i love this cindy one. adams uh she had a, a special birthday and uh, she's one smart lady and she wanted a round table of 12 people and 12 people only. Wow, what an honor, because she knows and, everybody. Uh, she knows everybody. Uh, you know, uh, Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees, his wife Mindy, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Governor Hochul was there with uh, her sister, and uh, Mayor Adams was there with uh, uh, his uh, girlfriend. His girlfriend, long-time girlfriend, yes, yeah. Yes, long-time girlfriend, and uh, Cardinal Dolan. Fantastic. I mean, it was... That was a power table. That this was a, a power. Power. That was a powerful table. And you and Margo. And you and, and Margo. me and Margo. And, and uh, we took over the entire restaurant, the 100th floor, 10,000 square foot restaurant, just for the 12 of us. How wow. beautiful. Well, and I bet Cindy had an awesome birthday. She, she is had an awesome the sharpest birthday. woman. I mean, she, she is, is amazing. She's one great lady. And uh, I uh, told her when she gets to 100, we're going to give her a bigger birthday party. Well, and she will make it. She is sharp as a tack. She's tab. very sharp. We saw her together. We were at uh, Inner Circle, yes, Craig, and you great, were there, and Rudy, dinner. you were there. That was a great yeah. dinner. And, there and was, Judge Weinberg didn't come. How dare he? We we needed somebody to stay home. I'll be there next year. <laughs> George Arts was looking for you. Well, George and I are friends from City Hall and co-conspirators of City Hall to try to protect the public. So. Wait till you talk. Tomorrow you talk about the new movie that's going to come out, part two of your movie. Gotham. The, Gotham let's bring in. Let's bring in Alan Dershowitz. He wasn't invited last night. I, I guess he's too old for Cindy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You know, right. I, Alan, you're over 30, right? A little bit. And I really do feel excluded. I've known Cindy. I knew her husband for years and years and years. I've even been a source. I, I, I yelled at Mayor Adams. Bad. I said, you didn't bring the key to the city? 
he she showed up. Fantastic. She's fantastic. But I'm coming to the hundredth. I'm not getting excluded from that one. No All right. way. Done deal. Done deal. Well, Professor Dershowitz, there's a lot to talk with you about. First, let's talk about, of course, what's making the big headlines. Tucker Carlson out at Fox News. Um, let's talk about the and legal I hear perspective. He's not going to get paid. Yeah, that's an interesting. So you just heard what John said, uh, that you, he's hearing he won't get paid, even though it wasn't like the end of his contract. So where does it go from here from a legal perspective? Well, maybe another lawsuit. Uh, Fox is specializing in lawsuits. You can't fire somebody except for just cause. And, um, you know, they're going to probably try to mount arguments, but he'll fight back. It's, uh, he should fight back. Uh, you know, he's a fighter. Look, people always focus on the speaker. Uh, oh, my God. You know, Tucker Carlson's rights have been denied. Uh, maybe Don Lemon's rights have been denied. People never speak about our rights. We have the right to listen to Tucker Carlson. We have the right to disagree with him. We have the right to agree with him. And we're being denied that right. And what's happening is other than your show, which is fantastic and it presents so many diverse points of view. Today, more and more, we're getting singular approaches on networks. We have the CNN narrative. We have the MSNBC narrative. We have the Fox narrative. Uh, fortunately, we don't have the, the Katsimatidis narrative because you bring everybody on, people who disagree with you. I, I, I agree. I want people, people to be people. I'm inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah, and it's America. Right. That's what I love about the By show. By the way, at, at the Inner Circle dinner on Saturday night, we never talked about it. Well, we had uh, uh, Anthony Weiner and uh, his uh, ex-wife, Huma. And, uh, they made, they made big news. Yeah, they made big news. I was at the table. I remember sitting there going, wow. Yeah. Nice. That would be nice. Yeah. Craig and I, and I was very surprised. I was very surprised when I saw them together, but I was happy to see them together. I was happy to see them together. I was happy to see them together. They have have a young child, so that's good. I talked to Anthony about it. Yeah, and I talked to Huma a little bit about it. It seemed like she had a good time. Private conversation. And I understand the, the New York Post is doing a major story on it. John Levine just called me. Oh, wow. And he asked me, uh, do you think uh, Anthony Weiner would run for for uh, election? And you know what my answer was? It was an honest answer. I think he would do a better job than some of these people we have now. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a smart he guy, and he very, loves politics. He was a very good public figure, you know, before his problems. And uh, I believe in redemption. And we need more and more good public figures out there. And, you know, that really brings us to the today's other big announcement, and that is, of course, President Biden. So I have a, a suggestion I want to make, and uh, I, I, I don't think that John will like it, and I might not like it, but maybe your viewers would like it. The Constitution provides for a minimum age for being president, 35. Should it also be amended to provide a maximum age? Yes. Say no, I, I don't like that. Or I, not. When I'm 85, I, I plan I like to run when I'm 85. <laughs> I'm not saying I like it. You know, Oliver Wendell Holmes remained on the Supreme Court until he was like 92. Brandeis until he was 90. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, stayed, many people think, a little too long uh, for political reasons. But... In most countries in the world, there are age limitations on anybody, uh, judges, uh, public figures, but we don't have them. And, and, and they might even be, if the Constitution were an amendment, it might even be unconstitutional because we have statutes prohibiting age discrimination. For example, I left Harvard at 75. I'm now almost 85. I could have stayed at Harvard under the law until I was 120. And there's no restriction on that at Harvard if you're competent and able to teach. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. Professor Dershowitz, I don't know if you saw, but one of the other big things today was Ronnie Jackson, who used to be the White House physician. Now he's a member of Congress in Texas, and he is shopping around a letter saying that there should be not an age test, but a competency test for Biden, that there should be a, a mental test. A competency test should always be. Yeah, but he, yeah, of but course, he's not going to want to take one. That's a slippery who's slope. Judge? Who's going to judge, judge that? Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. Professor. You know, we'll have Rudy judge. Rudy will judge. You'll have one doctor will say yes, one doctor will say no. No, but if you have it, just lay out the data, lay out the statistics, yeah. and let everybody judge for themselves. You know, but, uh, but you know how to judge. You know how judgment works. Oh. Election day. Yeah. yeah, that's of course right, and that's and 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 you know, DA Bragg ought to know that too. That we want to decide who the next president is. We don't want him to decide who the next president is by coming up with Mickey Mouse charges. And uh, uh, he's running too. Yeah. Well, by the way, speaking of brag, I want to uh, get your take, Professor Dershowitz and everybody we're talking to, of course, the great Harvard professor emeritus. Alan Dershowitz, who we love here on Cats and Cosby. Um, big other news today, Professor, is the whole thing with E. Jean Carroll. That's the woman who is suing President Trump. She says, you know, he assaulted her in a Bergdorf Goodman's dressing room in the in 90s. 1896. Yeah. Uh, you know, there should be clear stat- statutes of limitations, particularly on she said, he said cases. Uh, how do you expect people to remember details of something that either did or didn't happen years and years and years ago. You know, remember in my case, I was accused of something by a woman I never met or heard of that had supposedly happened 22 years ago. And then she said, oh, my God, I was under such pressure. Maybe, maybe I misidentified him and mistook him 22 years ago. No, there should be a statute of limitations. And the New York legislature shouldn't be expanding the statute of limitations in response to political pressures, because that's what happens. Five years, that's it if you're an adult. If you're a child, okay, that may be different. But if you're an adult and didn't bring the case to the government within five years, you're out of luck. I think that's uh, a smart Otherwise, thing. you know, it's impossible to put on a defense. Alan, and, and, yeah? it's, uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I see from uh, the reports on television that in this defamation case coming out of the alleged rape, that the trial judge had just said that he's going to allow in the tape from Access Hollywood where Trump has made uh, some derogatory comment the, about the grab your gra- yeah. grabbing if some his woman. Name, if his name were Dershowitz or Weinberg, that would be reversible error. Isn't that absolutely awful, Alan? That's stunning. Immediately, but with a name like Trump, there's no such thing as reversible error. Of course, that's an absurd thing. To allow that to come in. What relevance? It's totally prejudicial, isn't it? Have? It's prejudicial, yeah. yeah. Well, it's so totally prejudicial. It has zero relevance. Zero relevance. You know, uh, to to anything, to whether a rape occurred. Of course. Somebody who tells jokes or says things like that. You know how many people would be in jail for rape if you could use that kind of evidence? I mean, I have friends who are the worst joke tellers in the world. They're the worst taste in jokes. You don't let that kind of thing in. My take is, you know, as, as Professor Dershowitz knows, when you put evidence in, you have to weigh the probative value versus the prejudice. I see no yeah. probative value here, Alan. And I see absolute yeah. prejudice. It taints the jury's mind from the very beginning. Well, well, what is becoming painfully clear is that the strategy is to bring as many lawsuits against a uh, former president that they can. Um, mm-hmm. I, I won't be surprised to hear from the woman who claimed he groped her and assaulted her in first class. 
back in the mm-hmm. 80s or something. I mean, it, 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 and we're going to see the lawsuits out of Georgia, probably. Uh, we'll see more. And, and well, the person in Georgia says he's gonna, she's going to do it in the middle of the election. Right. Summer. Or the, summer. Oh, the yeah. summer, which is going to coincide with the debates. Yeah, and the other thing mm-hmm. she also said was telling everybody, telling law enforcement, this I thought was really odd, guys. She came out and said she's going to announce it between July 11th and September 1st, right. whatever it is, whether it's against him or someone else on the 2020 election. And then she said, law enforcement be ready, basically. I mean, that what is that, Professor Dershowitz? Well, they were, um, she she claims probably to be worried about demonstrations or riots or maybe somebody will try to escape or run but it it seems utterly inappropriate utterly inappropriate and i I think it's inappropriate to make an announcement about when you're going to make the announcement that should depend on the evidence that should depend on whether it's ready not on whether or not you can get press corps uh in line to have a big big story look our criminal justice system our civil justice system is in deep deep trouble it's become so damn politicized I haven't read yet about this ruling, but if this judge <clears throat> actually did say that even if he doesn't take the witness stand, you know, if takes the witness stand, that's different. But if he doesn't take the witness stand, they will allow him as part of the case in chief the <clears throat> that tape. That's so clearly reversible error. Um, you know, I've been doing this 60 years. That is such a clear error, and it shouldn't be tolerated. But, you know, you can't appeal that until the case is over. And so he might, in the end, lose the trial and then win on appeal. Right. And in the meantime, goes through the entire processes. I mean, that is a really stunning thing that you just said, Judge. I mean, it is amazing that they would bring that tape in. And and by the way, I wouldn't allow in a case in chief, Alan, nor would I allow it for for cross-examination purposes. I just wouldn't allow it, period. Guys, they don't care. It's to tie him up. They're going to use any any means or method they can to tarnish him and to hurt him, make him look... Yeah, amazing. Everybody, by the way, is reporting that. What the judge was just saying, it is uh, correct, actually. Everybody's reporting that that Access Hollywood tape can be used as evidence in the civil case against Trump. The judge just ruled on that. That is just terrible. Just (laughs) terrible. He said it can be used. And and apparently, I was told that the judge is a pretty good judge. Um, I don't know the judge, but um, I think that uh, Trump's lawyer had some very positive things to say about the judge. We'll see what he says about this. <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. Wow. Well, we can't wait to see what happens. And by Alan Dershowitz, thank you for coming on. And uh, always a pleasure. You always know interesting love being days. on your show. Thank and you. Remember, hundredth birthday. I'm going to be there, sitting right next to you, John. So I look forward to it. Good. Take care. I'll be, be. I'll be 25 then. And, so and by the way, also uh, <laughs> Chad, Chad Lopez was at Cindy's party. He was. Oh, he was. Wow. Yes. That's right. That's right. I saw him all dressed up. He looked dapper. Cindy Absolutely. Likes Latin. Uh, yeah. Do you blame? And he's a Navy I, guy. I didn't say. I wasn't going to say Latin lovers. But. Yeah, but he's and he's a military guy. You can't. <laughs> you can't go wrong, right? And he's under. He's I'm under. I'm glad you didn't say it, John. That was he's under 50. I'm glad you didn't say it. Let, let's take a break. And who do we have after this? We have coming up, we've got Councilman Robert Holden. What are you going to talk about? Well, he is going after the illegal weed shops. And also, we are going to talk oh, about... The governor wants to that's make exactly. all smoke illegal. So how about illegal. pot? Yeah, no, no, she... Right. No. Tell so us. So the double standard, the hypocrisy, the foolishness of allowing grass being legal and tobacco not... Every time I leave the office, I can get high just walking out the lobby. And you don't even have to spend money on the grass. It is disgusting. Let's take that break. <laughs> 
common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. John, you were saying you get high when you walk down the streets of New York. I can't stand it. No, when I walk out of your office. No, well, everywhere, not just this office. It's everywhere, not me. It's not street. me or the judge. I promise you that. <laughs> it is everywhere. And joining us now to talk about that and so much more is Councilman Robert Holden. Of course, he represents Queens, a Democrat there on the New York City Council. Councilman Holden, you know, I, I first just want to get your take on the whole thing with pot shops that are everywhere. There's only a few that are supposed to be legal, but. To John's point, I have never walked down the street of New York City and not smelled pot almost every single block. And, uh, you know, I, I just I'm afraid from where we're heading with these uh, pot shops, because there are four legal sh- uh, shops in New York City right now and fifteen hundred illegal shops. So you, you figure out how, how the state is rolling out this. You couldn't do worse. Actually, you couldn't do worse than to have all these illegal shops really taking over. And why should you open up a legal shop? By the way, if they, when the sheriff does close these uh, illegal shops, they're open the next day. It's I, insane. Uh, Councilman, I hear the fine is only $600. I mean, at $600, yeah. that's the cost of doing business. Yeah. These guys don't care. No, they, they don't care. And by the way, if you buy from illegal shops, you don't know what's in it. I mean, there could be, you know, we heard reports of E. coli, salmonella, uh, nickel and lead. So yeah. you don't know what you're smoking. So you're taking a chance, but they're out doing the legal shops. There's only four legal, like I mentioned. And by the time we get off the air with the show, there'll be four more illegal ones. So it's costing, you know, the city and state are losing millions of dollars with this ridiculous pot rollout. They were in a rush to do it. They didn't do it right. And, you know, that rarely do the, does the state, you know, they don't do anything right, apparently. But certainly this one was a fiasco. Councilman, this is Craig Eaton. I was the Republican chairman in Brooklyn for 10 years. And so I didn't really have the honor of working with you. But you are a real common sense Democrat. And, you know, we all appreciate that because that's what we need. We need more common sense elected officials in this city. But the big problem, I think, that the city's missing here is that pot leads to greater drug addiction because the pot only works so long and then they need something stronger. Then they go to cocaine, then they go to crack cocaine, then they go to heroin. I mean, we've talked to DEA agents many, many times on this show and they say that pot is really just the initial trigger. So what we're doing is we're allowing all these kids access to marijuana. It's just going to spin out of control over the years. You know, councilman, the society is going to, you know, again, we're going to suffer in the years to come. Yeah. Because there's going to be no motivation to go out and work. They're going to smoke a lot. When you when you smoke pot, by the way, you get very relaxed. Uh, I remember that from the old days. But you get very relaxed. You get, and then you want to eat. Uh, wait, 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 wait! I, I want to hear that you said from the old days. We're all going. Wait a minute. Is there a confession here? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I didn't inhale. Like, uh, <laughs> move, to, move to strike. Non-responsive. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, it's like, listen, we all, I mean, a lot of us tried it when we were young. Uh, but the pot today smells like a skunk. It didn't, in my day, it didn't, obviously. It's, uh, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was a, an experience in our youth. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't go to uh, harder drugs, but um, it's just where society is headed with this. Because you're, they didn't set up the proper regulations. For instance, do we all smell it outside? Yes. 
do I, we smell it when we're behind a car and there, it's filled with people smoking weed? Is that going to be safe for, uh, to be a pedestrian or to be another motorist? Um, they're smoking in their cars, which is illegal. However, it's not being enforced. It's hard, it's hard to really catch them. Well, Counselor, the, the, yeah. the, the THC level uh, back in the day was 2.5. It's now 25. So it's not even the marijuana of the 60s and 70s. Right. It's, it's, yeah. This stuff is bad. It is bad news. It's dumbing down America. We have countries saying they're preparing for war. We're destroying our military. We're weakening ourselves energy-wise. I mean, th- this is a bad look for the country, and I just don't get it. Uh, we were talking about uh, the governor wants to go after smoking cigarettes, <laughs> but you, you allow this. All they had to yeah. do was call California. California would have told them it was a bad deal. You know, all you Colorado is saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a yeah. Mess. By the way, I just saw today that um, Gavin Newsom, speaking of California, is sending some National Guard out to some of these locations where a lot of the druggies are sort of hanging out, if you will. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The, how, how do you say, guys, the dumbing down of America? We're going to become Absolutely. dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber. And, uh, you know, where's our kids going to you know, survive? Yeah, and you know the one thing, too, Councilman Holden, we had an addiction specialist on the show on Cats and Cosby a few days ago who was saying, remember, Judge Weinberg, that the pot today, he was saying is about 90% stronger. And remember remember this. It does have an effect on your brain. There there is medical evidence to that. And Craig, you're absolutely right. The human brain is not formed until you're 26 years of age. And because that, it causes severe brain damage to these young kids. And you need your brains to get through life. And that should be the message that the kids should learn. They're destroying their own brain cells with this marijuana. So we should open up a lot more of these locations around the city, right? Yeah. I mean, does it make sense? Like John said, it's, hey, it's as dumb as could be. locations, uh, unlicensed. Yeah. If a 16-year-old kids come in, you think you're going to turn them down? And, by the way, the buses. Have you seen they have these, like, huge buses that are like, a oh, cannabis party happening, cannabis event happening. All these different things, and because of that, it seems like it's like all over the city. I think there's a big cannabis convention. Well, Councilman, we really appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You're terrific. Councilman Bob Holden, thank you very much. And now we have Doug Schoen on on the line with us, and Doug is a uh, pollster, an analyst, uh, worked for President Clinton and many other uh, Democratic uh, souls. Uh, President Biden, Doug... President Biden has announced he wants to run for re-election. Yep. NBC's poll says seventy percent of Democrats don't want him. Uh, what? What? Give us the pulse. What's going on out there? Yeah, um, Biden is unpopular inside his party. Only, um, you know, thirty-eight percent, forty percent approval nationally. But he's getting out early now to sell his economic plan, which is, you know, John, because of inflation and high gas prices, um, uh, high interest rates, has been viewed very, very negatively. He's trying to get out there, and his greatest asset is that the Republicans are almost as badly regarded as the Democrats. So is he going to do, Doug, this is Rita Cosby. Great to have you on here. Um, is this going to be sort of like a, a recap of 2020? I mean, he announced it via video. It was a three-minute video. Um, think about how different it is versus a big campaign, a big rally. 
And he went right for MAGA extremists again. It's like same playbook. Yeah, well, he, the playbook worked, Rita, meaning in the midterms, there was no great argument for the Democrats, as I know you know. And they made the MAGA extremism argument compellingly enough to hold on to the Senate and minimize their losses in the House. And if, as I was saying to John, the record of the administration is a negative one, perceived as such at least, their best play is to go negative, which is what the president did on his video. Yeah, even though he said he's the uniter in chief. This is Rudy Washington. Go ahead. Hello, Doug. How are you? Um, you know, I, I, I just feel like truth in politics is dead. Um, I listen to, you know, I listen to talking heads on television and I say to myself, do you believe what's coming out of your mouth? Uh, you know, the protection of, of President Biden by the media uh, is, is insane. I, you know, we're looking at what's happening to the country and his the overwhelming majority of his party is correct. Uh, and I don't mean to demean anyone, but he's past his prime. He, he, well, he's lost his fastball completely. Well, he may have lost his fastball, but the Democrats don't have anyone. Uh, in the bullpen. That, they don't have anyone in the bullpen. Good baseball analogy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Judge. That's exactly right. There's nobody in the bullpen. And, you know, if Trump pulls badly but gets the nomination – uh, Biden could win again because Reid is right. It could be a rerun of 2020 that Biden could well win narrowly. But, but Doug, this is Craig, and I have one question for you. He's running yeah. again with Kamala Harris. He's going to be 80 years old. His mental capacity is not what it should be right we, now. We end up with Kamala? People, people are going to be looking. It the Democrats like are going to be looking for the vice presidential candidate because that who's they going to vote for for president. So don't you think he should have switched it up a little bit? He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't. Given the promise that we've got to take a break. Can you hold on until after the break for another two minutes? Sure. All right, let's go to a break. we got Lou Dobbs on the break to find out how the markets did, and we'll be coming back with Doug Show. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. President Biden making his announcement. He's in, uh, despite some really bad poll numbers. And joining us now real quick for a recap of where he thinks things are headed is the great pollster Doug Schoen. Doug, uh, how do you see this race going now that uh, that now he's officially in? Uh, is it going to be a Biden-Trump? Yeah, I think it's going to be Biden-Trump. And I think you're right to say, Rita, that it'll be pretty close to a rerun of... Uh, 2020. I mean, it's, I know, pretty simple to put it that way, but that's what the polls and everything I read is telling me. Doug, it's Richard Weinberg. How are you? Don't you think, don't you think America deserves better than these two gentlemen? I, it is sad to me that we are not able, Richard, to produce better candidates who are more compelling, more thoughtful, and frankly, just younger. Pressure faces. We're, we're prejudiced against old guys, and I'm getting older. Yeah, I was going to say, don't say anything about old guys, you know, at all. Anybody over uh, 50, right? Because these guys are 51 uh, like, in the studio I'm, I'm with over, me. I'm over 50, and, you know, uh, I'm proud to be over 50, but 
I'm not running for president, though uh, I think we'd do a lot better off if John had been elected uh, uh, mayor of New York or to some other high office, given his investment, professional, uh, savvy, and political common sense. I 1,000% agree. Thank you, Doug. Absolutely. Doug Schoen, thank you. The great pollster. We so appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. And you got my vote, John. Got my vote. Uh, That's one. Okay. (laughs) I think you've got a whole bunch. (laughs) I'm counting up the votes in this room. I think you've been elected, John. Well, you know what we love about you, John? Law and order. And joining us now here is David Suarez. He is, of course, the district attorney in Albany County. He was elected in 2004. Uh, what's the latest, first of all, from Albany? Because public safety, of course, is a huge issue, Mr. District Attorney. Uh, public safety is a huge issue all throughout the state of New York and, you know, in the country as well. And as you know, I think all of us are waiting with bated breath until our leadership uh, demonstrates the willingness to, to put um, to put public safety over ideology. And, and right now we're hearing that there is some um, movement on, on um, the least restrictive language, at least as it uh, applies to violent crime, which I, I can say that, that to me would be a little bit disappointing if that were the only thing that we got, because um, not being able to give judges discretion to address a number of other issues that are impacting those of us in the state of New York um, it's not going to help the organized retail theft issue that we have. It's not going to help our businesses. So I'm really hoping for the best. Like you, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Judge Weinberg? Uh, Mr. District Attorney, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. Uh, what I'm concerned about, what I'm concerned about is even with the so-called violent felonies being allowed to eliminate the, the, the least, the stress it means test that they've used. They can always undercharge. DAs of the progressive stripe can always undercharge, so it doesn't even fit in that category. What do you say about that? That's true. Look, I, I've always thought that the use of district, uh, that, that prosecutorial, look, prosecutorial discretion could really benefit uh, society in many ways, especially when, you know, people who have drug problems. I mean, you want uh, people with drug problems getting rehabilitated as opposed to, uh, sitting in prison. I think the Rockefeller drug laws and the reforms that were passed back in 2000 in the 2000s were were uh, were fine. But now we've gone way overboard where we are treating criminals as if they are a, a victim class. And the reality is is that uh, there's been an abandonment of of victims in the state of New York. And and the idea that we continue session after session to figure out ways of of, uh, of, of of providing more benefits to those who run afoul of the law, to me, is just um, an affront. Mr. Again, Mr. You know, government's number one job is uh, keeping the public safe. Mr. Soros, this is Rudy Washington. Uh, look, you, you work closely. And you talk to legislators. From a distance, I'm sitting here in the city saying to myself, this is not rocket science. H- how do you even advance a bill a bail bill to, to the point to what we have today. What is the psychology of these people that's in Albany? Could you give us some insight how people think well, it's okay to, you know, go forward like this, like this is going to help the state? I don't believe that the ideology currently in, in Albany County or in Albany in the capital is progressive. I, I think it's, 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 uh, 
It's something entirely different. I, I fancy myself to be a forward-thinking progressive prosecutor. However, what we're seeing right now are policies that just, it just defies all reason. Um, the idea yes. that we are in the criminal justice system, but we can't consider dangerousness. I mean, that in, that in and of itself should say everything about the current state of um of the, of, the, of the legislative malpractice that I think is going on in, in our capital. You know, one of the things I think about, um, Mr. District Attorney, too, as, as you were talking about locking everything up, I don't know if you saw this, but San Francisco, which is having obviously a lot of issues with the recidivism and the bail reform and all that stuff, um, they actually have a Target store. Everybody's talking about this. Everything in the store is locked up. Every single item. Is that where we're headed if, if yeah. things don't change in New York? My yes. goodness. Yes. And, and, yes. and Walmart's have closed in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, Walmart's and Whole Foods, too, John, too, yeah. as well. And, I mean, Walgreens, you can't get anything out of the shelves anymore without pushing a button and they send someone out and they put the key in. It's, it's, it's a disgrace. But you know what? I think it's about re-election. I think that all these elected officials in the Senate and the Assembly are, fra- are afraid of the far left, they're afraid of getting a primary from the far left, yeah, and they're losing listen, sight of the Fred, victims Fred, of the city and state of New York. In New York City, yeah. we have fifty-one yeah. city council seats coming up yeah. in November. Guess what? The fifty-one. I, I, I am, and we're going to hold every one of them accountable. accountable yeah. Are they for safe streets or they're not for yeah, safe streets? Yeah. Right, and it's, and it's not a Republican or Democrat. It's an American issue, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. An American issue. And my hope is that my hope is that members of our assembly, members of our Senate, are going back into their neighborhoods and talking to the people who actually live in in crime infested communities, because they will tell you that they want criminals to be held responsible. The other thing that I'm I'm just I mean, you mentioned Target. Think about all the corner drugstores that are closing in neighborhoods where senior citizens have their prescriptions filled. We have to do a much more effective job in holding accountable people who decide to, to, to run afoul of the law, but also we have to protect the, the businesses that are helping our communities, and especially our more vulnerable communities. Yeah, 1,000%. Well, thank you so much, Mr. District Attorney David Suarez there of Albany County. You are fighting the good fight. We are so grateful for your help, and keep fighting it up there, please. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, by the way, in the middle of all this um, is obviously uh, inflation skyrocketing problems that are going on. And we were talking about this the other day, Judge, this whole new thing with the interest rates, that mortgage rates, basically those people of good credit that are paying down their mortgage now will have to pay more, basically, to make up for those who are risky mortgages. I mean, this it's it's insane. So, like, say you're paying a thousand or five thousand probably a month or something in New York, maybe even more. You might end up having to pay fifty five hundred, and the riskier guy is going to somehow pay a little bit less to make up for. It. Does that sound fair? And there was a great column in today's uh, New York Post by Mr. James Brevard, who's going to be our guest now, yep. talking about that. Yep, he's joining us now with the New York Post, New York Post columnist. Uh, Jim, are you there? Yes, thanks for having me on. This is stunning. Explain this to folks out there and how it's going to affect their pocketbook and why this is so disproportionate. The Biden administration has a new rule that is forcing uh, banks and mortgage companies to penalize people with good credit ratings in order to subsidize people who have uh, uh, bad credit records or have a bad record of paying their uh, debts. And this is a, a Biden's idea of social justice. But this is going to show up as an extra $60 or more a month uh, for 30 years on people's mortgage payments. 
as I was as I commented in the piece today, the thing they should do is have a line on the mortgage settlement document saying this is a social justice surtax because that's why the Biden people are doing it, and they're basically uh, basically treating being creditworthy as if it was a federal crime. Well, Mr. Bovard, they would never do that because uh, they want to do this stuff in secrecy. Uh, yep. So much of our we're losing so much of our rights through these executive orders, and we don't have anybody that's really sitting down and scrutinizing every executive order that comes out of the branch or, or administrative rules. It, or administrative administrative rules. rules, exactly. Because stuff like this should go to the Congress; it should be debated and voted on, not slipped in somewhere in an executive order. Mr. Yeah, and, and 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 something like this should have a regulatory impact statement in which people can make a comment publicly comment on the regulation before it's imposed. But this is a complete travesty, and it also ignores the long history of federal policies that have basically subsidized. Um, uh, borrowers with uh, bad credit ratings, leading them to bankruptcy. I mean, uh, uh, going back to the 19, uh, 2008 credit 2008, crash. Yeah, that's that's credit what I was crash. just yeah, thinking about, was, too. Right. Um, that, that's something that was devastating for black and Hispanic homeowners. It, uh, it wiped out half the median net worth for blacks and Hispanics. And it, it's kind of ironic to have the same people, some of the same people pushing the same policies now and acting like they had nothing to do with a complete disaster for uh, uh, low-income borrowers in the early 2000s. Mr. Bavard, this is Craig Eaton. I'm an attorney here in New York. I do a lot of real estate transactional work. When the interest rates went to 5 and 6%, it destroyed and crippled the real estate market here in New York City. I mean, the real estate market is sideways now. It's starting to get a little better. Once it's starting to get a little better, now they're going to add on a point to anyone that has a high credit rating. So we're going to further cripple the market. You know how many different sectors deal with the house, the closing market? You got title companies, you got insurance, you got uh, inspectors, you got the mortgage companies, you got lawyers. We're going to go right back to 2008 because what they're doing is they're incentivizing all the people who have the worst credit ratings and can't even handle their own banking and finances to go out and borrow money that they can't pay back. We're going to have an influx of foreclosures two or three years from now. We're going to go right back to 2008. And also, by the way, they're incentivizing bad credit yeah. because people will say, hey, maybe I should have my credit not I'm be so stop, good. I'm going to stop and, paying all my mortgages right. and all my charge cards so I can – Right, uh, so I can save I some can, money. I can go back to a 3% mortgage. Right, they, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, what, what society is, are we in? It is ludicrous. I think yeah. he's spending too much time eating chocolate ice cream. <laughs> go oh, ahead, uh, Judge Weinberg. And Mr. Bufard, and doesn't this distort housing availability for everyone and the housing market and the value of property as well? Yeah, this is something which is, uh, there are huge perils on this, partly because in a lot of areas in the U.S., home values are now falling. So what's happening is you, you got the Biden administration trying to pull in lo- relatively low-income uh, homeowners with bad credit into uh, buying a house, and, and the value of that house is could be falling pretty quickly. And especially if folks are getting these houses with zero down payment, then very quickly they're underwater, and it's uh, a lot easier for them just to walk away. And when that happens, it often ruins neighborhoods. That was a huge factor after 2008. Uh, so many moderate-income neighborhoods were devastated by all the housing abandonment. Yeah, now, it is amazing. That was a result of the Commercial Reinvestment Act signed in yeah. the 90s Community by Clinton. Reinvestment Act, exactly yeah. right. 
What a mess. Well, uh, Jim Brevard, thank you very much, Brevard, there, New York Post columnist. Great column, and I encourage everybody to take a look. Thank you. This is just, it is stunning. We're, you know, people listening. It's disgraceful. It's stunning. It's actually disgraceful. Really shocking. Thank you so much. And, John, we've got more coming up on Cats and Cosby. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we have Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, and so many things are happening. Uh, China, Russia. They're planning to go into Cuba all over again, Venezuela. With uh, potential nukes? Oh, my missiles? This is frightening. Scary stuff. Let's take that break and come back. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Some stunning news as the former, as the current foreign minister of Russia went over to Cuba and also Venezuela and a whole bunch of other places. And he's talking about potential missiles in the Western Hemisphere. This is a frightening, frightening thing. And joining us now to talk about all of this and so much more is Ty McCoy. He is the former assistant secretary of the Air Force. We are so glad you're here with us. Ty, what is your reaction? This is really scary when you're talking about the Russian foreign minister, Lavrov, who's so close to Putin. Basically, John was talking about it. You know, it's like the Cuban Missile Crisis all over again. Well, thank you. It's great to join you tonight, Katz and your team. I was just looking at some earlier uh, words of Putin uh, uh, going back to 2013, where he's talked about placing missiles over here uh, on the seas near us, under the sea, on, on over the sea. Now he's talking with uh, Lavrov, his foreign minister, about putting missiles in some countries, uh, Venezuela and other countries. Uh, we've seen Iranian ships come over here with cruise missiles on their decks uh, and sail up through the Panama Canal. Uh, Putin himself said in February 2023, when he withdrew from the START Treaty, the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, uh, that he was ready for another Cuban Missile Crisis if the United States wanted one, which is extremely uh, delusional and, and uh, dangerous rhetoric. So we're seeing someone who uh, knows he does not uh, have a peer-to-peer relationship in the world with anyone anymore, except when it comes to nuclear weapons. And he's trying to exploit that to uh, show his strength when, in fact, his whole economy and war preparations in the Ukraine are very weak. So it's getting uh, very uh, risky because uh, he's getting uh, put in a corner, and in many ways he's putting himself in a corner. So this is something that uh, we have to really be very concerned and serious about. Ty, uh, John Katzmatidis, is history repeating itself? Uh, Kennedy's people were thinking of putting missiles in Turkey when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. So we're putting, thinking of putting missiles in Ukraine, and uh, <coughs> so they they're thinking of putting them back in Cuba again, or Nicaragua, or Venezuela. Is is this is this a repeat of history? It is a repeat in many ways, and uh, we uh, were lucky to get past the Cuban Missile Crisis. The um, was a real uh, eye blinker. We embargoed the Cuban. Uh, country with our Navy and the Navy, uh, the Russian ships were sailing uh, there with uh, additional missiles, maybe the nuclear warheads that would go on the missiles that were already deployed there. And at the last minute, uh, there was some behind the scene brokering and the Russians uh, stood down and pulled back their missiles. 
uh, with a, a guarantee from the United States, whether I don't believe it was in any treaty, it was just behind the scenes, that the United States would not attempt another Bay of Pigs or any other invasion of Cuba would leave Cuba as a communist country uh, on our doorstep. And secondly, the missiles that we had and were had planned to deploy in Turkey that were uh, ready to be very close to, to uh, their territory, uh, that we would withdraw those. And that was done about what? six months after the Russians turned around and took their ships back well, uh, to uh, Russia. And Rudy McCoy. Washington's got a question for you. Yeah, well, you know, I would disagree. I, I believe uh, Putin's strategy is working. I mean, um, he scared the bejesus out of this administration uh, from providing Ukraine with necessary weapons by just saying nuclear attack. Uh, and we pull back when we're two steps late on delivery of any weaponry we're going to get out of fear. We are now allowing the Monroe document, uh, document to uh, sunset underneath us. Um, and with Ukraine, we, we told, uh, Ukraine, we gave them a guarantee that if they gave up the nuclear weapons that were left at the breakup of the Soviet Union, that we would back them in, in any attack that Russia may have, you know, provoked on them. Uh, so we're withdrawn from everything, and they have advanced in everything. Well, you're right. You know, the signs of weakness, which uh, occurred uh, back in the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, when Khrushchev and John Kennedy Jr. met, uh, or Sr. met in, in uh, Vienna, I believe it was, uh, Khrushchev pushed uh, Kennedy around and thought he was a very weak and not a uh, experienced uh, politician or leader. And that led uh, Khrushchev into thinking he'd get away with putting missiles in Cuba. And I think the same thing is happening where they see the Americans uh, uh, going woke in the military and elsewhere. They see the sudden preemptory mm-hmm. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, they see uh, term in their terms a uh, weakness in various You're ways right on target. with the Biden administration. And so they, they figure now uh, the old uh, communist saying uh, was that uh, the way to proceed with the capitalists is to uh, continue to probe them with a bayonet until you meet with steel. Wow. Well, You're, thank you. Right on target. Sir. Thank you for your uh, great, great insight. Ty McCoy, uh, the great U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, former one. Thank you very much for being here with your great, important insight. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Ty. And and by the way, we got to remind everybody, tomorrow night, we have Donald Trump here on Cats and Cosby. You definitely don't want to miss it. It's going to be blockbuster, John. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the American American way. way. God bless America.